It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to the Julia Hartley Brewer Coronavirus Update. If you're in lockdown, just like me, don't worry. I've put together some of the best bits from my talk radio breakfast show into this daily podcast so you won't miss any of the day's biggest coronavirus updates. Enjoy. And stay safe. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Let's try and get to grips with, with uh, Northern Ireland Secretary Brandon Lewis, who joins us now. Good morning to you. Hi, good morning, Julia. Good morning. Thank you very much for joining us here at Talk Radio. Let's talk about these antibody tests. Lots of uh, lots of hope around. We're not only Roche coming up with a test that Public Health England say is 100% uh, accurate uh, for antibodies, but also a second test from Abbott. They say they've got 5 million tests ready to go a month. They've got them sitting there in their warehouse ready to go out. Um, how quickly can we get these antibody tests out and who's going to get them first? Uh, well, I think last time I was on your show, Judy, I was urging a bit of caution around expectations of how quickly we exit lockdown. I'm afraid I'm going to just be uh, the, the same bearer of a bit of caution this morning. I, I think the antibody test could be a real game changer. I think it's a very, very exciting um, potential, but we've just got to be a bit cautious yet about how quickly we can roll this out. And also, we've got a, one of the bits of work that the experts are working on at the moment is the antibody test certainly can seems now to be accurate enough in terms of whether you've got the antibodies. I think there's still some work to do that the teams are working on to understand if that gives you protection and if so, for how long. Um, and with, uh, So I would just say to people not to necessarily expect an antibody test to be able to roll, be rolled out widely in the next few days or anything like that. But it is exciting news. It's potentially very positive. But I would just urge a bit of caution around our expectations of when and how quickly this can be rolled out. Okay, but we know that the testing, the antigen testing, that's the test of whether people have got the virus right now in the here and now. That has uh, been ramped up again on Wednesday. There were 126,000 tests, uh, the health secretary, your colleague, Matt Hancock, uh, had to say. Again, it's over that original target of 100,000. Still still aiming for 200,000 at the end of this month, which is what Boris Johnson had had promised us, and up to 250,000 at some point. Um, Realistically, we can't ease lockdown any much more than we've done already without having uh, mass testing available, both antibody and antigen testing, and the full track and trace process in place. I mean, how far along are we with that? How many people have been recruited to actually uh, carry out uh, the track and trace? And, and uh, when are we actually going to see that app available for everyone to download? Uh, yes, look, I th- there's, a, there's a number of things now, Julie. I think th- these all play a part in bringing this whole pack together. The antibody test, obviously, is very key. Eventually, a vaccine, which is it's exciting that we're, we, as a country, doing we're so key to deliver, developing a vaccine itself and getting these tests up. And yes, we got the, the tests up 126,000 yesterday. We want to keep that moving so we can get to the 200,000 
um, by the end of the month and making sure we're driving up the demand and more people being able to access those tests. In terms of the tracers, at the moment, we've had about 15,000 applications. Uh, so we're encouraging, and I would say to anybody listening to this program, if you feel that it's a role that you can play a part in how we battle with and come through this virus, to think about applying for that. So we want to get more people applying so we can get up to recruiting 18,000. And we're just starting the actual formal recruiting process at the moment. But we've had about 15,000 applications. Why are you just starting the formal recruiting process at the moment? Why have you not started that weeks and well, weeks ago? Well, we, we started it in the sense of outlining to people what we wanted to recruit and getting that um, advertising out there so people knew about this and could apply for it. What I mean is obviously we've had to wait for people to actually apply and then go through a recruitment process. So we've had well, about 15,000 applications at the moment and people are and the teams are working through those applications getting people on board, getting them in, in the training but you know, that they but, but with all we want due to respect, more, more people. But Minister, with all due respect, you known that you were going to need these people weeks and weeks ago. We knew we'd never get out of lockdown without having track and trace. This was always what the plan was going to be. Why were you not yeah, recruiting absolutely. people months well, ago? Well, first of all, this obviously, as we've worked through the disease, we've been working through this disease and this virus at different stages, getting the testing in place and getting the teams focused on getting those testing figures up. We, st- we had the outline that we wanted to get this track and trace work done. We needed to recruit people for that. There's a process. Though. Obviously, we've got to advertise that, have people apply for that. As I say, we're up at 15,000 applications now. Then go through the process to assess to make sure people are appropriate, the right people to do that, to get them the training to do that so they can then be on board and actually doing it. And we want to get more people. It's just Matt Hancock himself out loud. We want to get to 18,000. At the moment, we've only got 15,000 applications. So we would encourage people to come forward and apply for that role. Okay, right. Well, a lot of people are wanting to get work because obviously lots of people are concerned about losing their jobs. And we've seen some of those really scary figures coming out of America and then how many people we've got on the furlough scheme. But people who are able to go back to work, lots of people obviously travelling by car, lots of uh, concern about public transport, big bailout of uh, the London transport system uh, yesterday. Is it possible for people to socially distance on transport or are we going to have to learn that, well, this is just a risk we have to take to keep our jobs? I think, look, yes, it is. I think we've all got some responsibility to make sure we're focusing on social distancing. We want to make sure that we've got enough public transport running at a high enough level of um, uh, facilities that people can spread out their time. That's why we're saying to people, if first of all, if you can work from home, you should continue to work from home. That puts a huge easing on the transport system more generally, whether you can walk, cycle or drive. And if you have to use public transport, working with employers, thinking about how you can stagger your movements during the day so that we ease that pressure on the transport system so we can keep social distancing, which is so key, particularly at the moment, to keep that R level down. But we've all seen the pictures. It doesn't look like it's very easy to, to socially distance, certainly not the two metres that this government recommends, which is far more than most other governments around the world. Well, we want to do everything we can to make sure people have got the information to stay as safe as possible. And obviously that social distancing is a hugely important part of preventing the spread of um, a respiratory-based virus. Um, and that's why we're saying to people, look, think about what we are doing. And if you can work from home, continue to work from home. And if you are travelling on public transport, make sure you follow social distance. This is where we all play an individual, personal part in combating this virus and saving a life and helping somebody stay healthy. And that's by keeping social distancing. And if we find ourselves in an environment where that looks difficult, then we should try and do our best to step back from that to ensure we keep social distancing.
Okay, well, let's talk about uh, schools. Um, a real bid to get schools back uh, up and running, certainly the primary schools, year reception, year one, and uh, year six, uh, crucial years in primary school. Education Secretary Gavin Williamson, your colleague, has called on uh, teaching unions to do their duty. Lord David Blunkett, a former Labour Education Secretary, has accused those unions of working against the interests of children by opposing plans to reopen schools. Um, why do you think there's such an issue over this, given that schools have gone back in uh, Germany and Denmark weeks ago, France this week, um, Netherlands, Finland, and Sweden, they've kept primary schools and and secondary schools open throughout. Um, why do you think the teaching unions are resisting this? Uh, well, I'm going to, that's probably one best asked of the unions directly, Julia. I, I hope that they will but what support do you their think? members. I mean, do you, do you think, well, do you think I, this, I, is I, about, I, this is about teacher safety or do you think it's about something else? Look, I'm sure that they would they would want to ensure that there is teacher safety, but we all want to ensure that. That's why we're making sure we're putting these guidelines in place, so as I say, around social distancing. Schools are a really good place for children to be able to... First of all, those, those years are key years, and I think it is important we do what we can to get those children back into school, getting that education, preparation for secondary school, as you say, um, as early as possible. And I think it is an environment where we can educate children around good social distancing, washing their hands, those key issues in terms of standard alert, and to do so in a safe and healthy environment. So I, I'm hopeful that we will be able to see pupils across the country come back and that the unions will support their teachers, their staff, their members um, in doing that in a really good and healthy way. But are you concerned, just finally, are you concerned actually it's going to be the schools uh, where, where children most need to get back into education, where the teaching unions are going to be strongest, who are not going to be open those schools? Meanwhile, private schools really, you know, happily reopening. They've been providing those online lessons, no issues whatsoever. And the best state schools are doing it as well. But it's the schools where children already need the, the, you know, the, the route out of their lives through education that are going to miss out the most. Well, I think this is this is. I think look, you're absolutely right. So, so there are some of the areas it is most important. A constituency like mine, where we've seen such a huge improvement in education with, um, with the academy system, I don't want to see those children losing out on the opportunities that a good education provides. And at that young age, just a few weeks can make a big difference. So I think it is important that the unions and all of us give support to those teachers. We make sure they've got a good, safe, healthy, safe environment to work in and a good, safe, healthy environment for the children. But we get them back to that education that's so important for those children. Right. Just funny, I mean, you represent Northern Ireland, uh, the London Secretary. We've seen massive differences in terms of infection rates around the country. Uh, London now very much lower on the rates and northeast very much higher. Is there some likelihood that we will see not just uh, differences in the constituent parts of the United Kingdom, Scotland and Wales do things differently from England, but regional differences in terms of us leaving the lockdown? Oh, I think it's too early to say that, yeah, I haven't seen the breakdown of the detail. This is a Cambridge University study rather than government figures around um, the figures of the North East. So I haven't seen the detail of that yet. But you are right. What we have seen around the United Kingdom is some divergence, all within the UK-wide approach, I have to say. And what Northern Ireland are doing follows the principle of the data and the science-led approach. And the easings they've done over the last uh, 24 hours or so match uh, fairly in line with what we're doing in um, England as well and other parts of the UK. So it's a joined-up approach, but actually recognising that in different parts of the United Kingdom. We are at different stages of the cycle. And that is devolution in action. I think that's a positive thing. Online, on DAB and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. 
Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. Across the UK, online, on DAB, and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Delighted to welcome Labour MP, frontbencher, shadow chancellor of the Duchy of Lancaster. That's shadowing uh, Michael Gove. Uh, Rachel Reeves, good morning to you. Good morning, Julia. Good morning. Lovely to speak to you. Now, you've uh, written to your opposite number, Michael Gove, demanding uh, that the government is uh, rather more transparent than they've been over the multi-million pound contracts that have been given to the private sector dealing with the pandemic. What is your specific concern? Well, the reason that I'm concerned is that a lot of these um, services, essential services that have been contracted out, uh, like um, the provision of of PPE, the personal protective equipment, the testing centres and the tracing network to... Uh, trace what contacts we've had if we become infected with the virus. They've been contracted out to Deloitte and to Serco with very little public scrutiny. And it, it seems like the government wants to contract out essential services and contract out that responsibility. And what I'm saying in that letter is you can't contract out responsibility for our public health. We need much greater transparency about those contracts, how much is being paid, what responsibilities have been handed over, but most crucially, how those contracts are performing. We've heard, for example, this morning that the government's target to recruit 18,000 people to do contact tracing by the middle of May, that only a small fraction of those people have been recruited. And it is essential that if we want to ease the lockdown in a safe way, that we need a testing, tracing and isolate strategy 
But if you haven't got the contact tracers in place, it's impossible to do that. And so that's why I've asked today for Michael Gove to provide some more evidence. Well, actually, I spoke to the Northern Ireland Secretary, Brandon Lewis, about the contact tracers. And he said they've recruited or they've had 15,000 applications, of course, that whether any of those or all of those actually become uh, uh, people who they can hire as tracers is quite another matter. But you you believe that actually we need some 50,000. I think a lot of people think that, and as a point I put to Brandon Lewis, this should all have been done quite a few weeks ago, if not a couple of months ago, when we knew that well, the only route totally out of right. lockdown was this. That's totally right, Julia, because the government um, cancelled its tracing um, system uh, back on the 12th of, of March. I think that was a big mistake because testing, tracing and isolating people with this virus is the best way to get it under control. And to have, have cancelled that uh, was, I think, a, a real missed opportunity to get on top of this. The government now are belatedly, uh, through Serco, trying to recruit these people. The the government say 18,000 are needed. Many experts are saying 50,000 uh, are needed. And we still don't have those people trained up and in place to do the work, despite the fact that many people have started returning to work this week. And I think that's one of the reasons why so many people um, in uh, who are being asked to go back to work are concerned, because without that test, trace and isolate strategy in place, there is a real risk that this uh, virus starts to creep up again. And the, the numbers, the falls in the number of people contracting the virus is really welcome. But we've got to keep it that way. And that yep. means having an effective test, trace and isolate strategy. Well, when it comes to spending millions with the private sector, we know there's been, look, I'm, look, I'm all in favour, I completely agree with you, we need to know exactly what's that money being spent on, what are people required to do. We know that governments have a very poor history when it comes to actually doing these contracts. I don't know who they get to write them, but they really should be hiring the private sector lawyers to, to perhaps look over those uh, uh, those contracts before they sign them. But we also know state bureaucracies haven't done very well. Public Health England, I think, are not coming out of this with any glory. Uh, they were in charge of the testing process. They were in charge of the capacity of, of, of PPE uh, uh, supplies and uh, and and purchase well, uh, and distribution and and that state bureaucracy really has not done the job very well. So it may well be that private sector might be better at doing it. Well, it's really interesting because the testing is divided into two categories. There's the Public Health England testing, and then there's the testing that's overseen by Deloitte. And actually, the Public Health England testing has been performed much better. The results are coming back to people uh, much quicker. Uh, there seem to be um, less problems with the uh, the results going missing. And the Deloitte testing, we've had people waiting for more than 48 hours to get the results. Some people waiting more than a week to get their results. Reports of 50,000 tests being sent to uh, the US. So it's actually the the Public Health England testing, which has been much more successful than the testing administered by um, the outsourced Deloitte um, method. Um, but what, what, we're, what I'm arguing uh, today in my letter, and one of the points I'm putting to Michael Gove, is that we need to improve these services, whether it's testing, tracing, or the provision of PPE. We need to sort out the delays and the chaos. We need to share information with GPs and local authorities so that they know if one of their patients and one, someone in their local area has been infected and yeah. we need to get value for money for taxpayers because the deficit is of course is going to go up through this crisis it Absolutely. is essential that the government get value for money for taxpayers just finally briefly because i know you do have other interviews to get to it's a busy media round as often is the case uh, but in terms of schools the gavin williamson the Health education secretary has called on the teaching unions to do their duty uh, calling them to get children back to school uh, former labor education secretary lord
Lord David Blunkett accused teaching unions of working against the interests of children opposing plans to reopen schools. Uh, where do you stand on this? Should the schools reopen? Should teachers go back in the classroom? Well, I think that almost all schools are open at the moment for key workers and vulnerable children. I know in my constituency of Leeds West, every single school is opening, um, is open now, providing um, that service to the children of key workers. Um, we've got to make sure that when schools reopen for a larger number of children, it is done in a safe way. And that means with the support of teachers, but also with the support of parents and pupils. The government have said that all of this is going to be based on the evidence and on the science. And yet at the moment, they're not sharing that evidence and the science with teachers, teaching unions and parents. And that is a mistake because to give confidence to teachers and parents and to pupils and to get them in the classroom, including encouraging parents to send their children to school, all that evidence needs to be published. It's welcome that finally the government are going to sit down with teaching unions today to talk this out. That should have been happening uh, earlier. This stand-up is in no one's interest. Teachers have done an amazing job these last few weeks in doing their best to ensure that children continue to get an education. We all want to see children back in the classroom, but we've got to be convinced that it's in a safe way. Across the UK, online, on DAB and on your smart speaker, Talk Radio. Uh, Let's continue the conversation about, I suppose, normal service being resumed when it comes to politics in the battles over transport in London. Yep, I know most of the country doesn't live in London, but we know an awful lot of focus happens on it. And of course, it was the epicentre of the coronavirus uh, outbreak in this country for many, many weeks. Well, there's been an ongoing battle between the government and transport for London. Uh, Just to those who don't know, the London Mayor of London and Sadiq Khan is in charge of transport for London. He's got that budget to spend on the transport system. We saw a massive collapse of services, of tubes and buses as they were withdrawn from services. We were told that huge numbers of TfL staff uh, were uh, off sick or were uh, isolating, feared being off sick. Uh, what a surprise. Nobody going out to work in the capital city. People not using the, the tube and bus system. And, of course, very few of those actually operating meant, of course, they've had no money coming in. They've now got a £2 billion, yes, £2 billion black hole. Well, yesterday, the government agreed a £1.6 billion bailout for Transport for London uh, after Sadiq Khan said if you didn't get the bailout, he would close all the public transport in London as of Monday morning. This at the time as we're trying to get out of the lockdown. So uh, battle has certainly commenced. Let's talk about this with Conservative candidate for Mayor of London, Sean Bailey, who joins us now. Good morning to you, Sean. Morning, morning all to all um, your listeners. It, it will not come as a surprise that you've been rather unimpressed with the handling of this. Now, I mean, you could argue, um, Sadiq Khan, it wasn't his fault that, you know, people weren't going to work. Suddenly, Transport for London, the Tube and the buses had no one spending money uh, on their transport system. And he had a whole load of staff who said they were quarantining. Although, I remember it was something like five or six times the number who were worked in the NHS, which seemed a little bit unlikely. But um, who do you blame for this? First and foremost, the... Uh, the root of TfL's hardship is not corona. TfL were bankrupt before we got to the coronavirus. All it's done is highlight that. And the fact that Sadiq Khan leveraged the safety and well-being of Londoners against his poor management style is incredible to me. He asked for much more money than TfL have lost through lost fare revenues. So that's an idea, that's an indication rather, that he's trying to plug a hole in that he made in, in TfL's budget. It's absolutely disgraceful his behaviour on this one. And I'm glad the government took him on. And I'm glad that they've decided to give money for transport in London, but not to fill T, um, TfL's black hole that was made by Sadiq Khan. 
Yeah, I mean, this is the thing. It's it's it, the huge sums of money involved. I think will absolutely blow a lot of people's minds, actually, because I mean, we are, we are talking so many. But again, it, it, and again, that's why there's been so much focus in the very London-centric media about uh, about you know London transport. How are people going to get on the tube? Because of course, in London, it's like forty-five percent of people use public transport. Most of them, by the way, not the tube. They use buses, which don't get as much focus. Um, but in most of the country, I think it's seventy-five percent or more people actually use their own cars. That's how they get about. Yes. And, and look, for your listeners that are not in London, let me just say this. We talk about London, but of course, we have a great commuting population that come from outside of London into London, plus the Londoners who move around within London. And London is utterly enormous. And that's why TfL has been so important to Londoners, because it's what makes London work. The fact that we can go to and from work. TfL was broke before this point. Look, under T- under Khan, we have lost 17 of 25 major upgrade um, infrastructures we were going to do. He laid off 30% of the staff. If TfL wasn't broke beforehand, what does he say to those people that he made redundant? He did it for a joke. He did it because TfL didn't have any money because he had his partial fear freeze, which was a con because everybody like me who buys a travel card thought they were getting their fares frozen. And it led to £640 million in costs thus far. We spent yeah. £400 million on interest alone for TfL. See the Khan has run TfL into the ground. The government have taken him on and have practically taken charge of TfL. It's a bit of an, a humiliation to him because he effectively has to now battle with the government for every decision he makes on TfL. Yeah, I mean, again, we know also they want to oversee sort of do the sickness rates and how many tubes are run because he's basically refused. Uh, well, he's saying don't use the tube services, um, don't 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 go on public transport. Uh, you shouldn't be on the, unless you're an essential worker. Again, not the formal government advice and certainly not the law. A point I've been battling over on air and on social media with him uh, for quite some weeks now but but also uh, that the fact that um you know it, there any, any overcrowding was caused by the fact there weren't enough trains being run and yet we've got we had this ridiculous sickness rate as it was something like 30 percent at one point he said i can't run any more trains i haven't got any staff uh, the idea i mean we know we know that people working as bus drivers and working on the tube system are have been at higher risk but the idea they're at higher risk than the people working on the front line of the nhs is quite absurd what's really really absurd about this so Khan is not running TfL. He has to now justify why the levels of sickness are so high. He now has to justify why he closed down the tube network. If you close down the, the tube network, large parts of it, of course you're going to get overcrowding, which puts everybody at high risk. He also has to tell everybody why he didn't give his staff PPE. I myself went out and found the PPE for him. Um, TfL staff have been dying at five times the rate of NHS staff. That's on his watch. They work for him. He has to do something about this, and he hasn't done. And to leverage the safety of Londoners and our well-being against his poor management, again, is utterly astonishing to me. He has been largely absent through this crisis when we need him most. And the only time he's popped up is to use us as a bargaining chip. I think he ought to be ashamed of himself. And if you're listening to this and you're a Labour voter, I just ask you, are you pleased with how this man who pretends to represent you has done? This isn't about Labour or Conservative. This is about how you keep Londoners safe. And he has utterly, utterly failed. I'd like to point out that we 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 do regularly invite Zadik Khan onto the show. Doesn't want to come onto the show. I've known him for many years. Won't come onto the show. But can we just also point out one final fact that we know? I mean, again, this this is small fry in terms of money, but it does perhaps have, uh, give an indication of where priorities are. Spending on city hall employees has risen by eighty two percent under Zadik Khan. Um, it's gone from thirty six million to sixty five and a half million, and a huge number of staff are on over a hundred grand a year, which I find extraordinary. 
What's really extraordinary with that is the amount of TFL staff he's laid off. And, and the last thing I'll say is this, he's taken us to fools. This morning, he's gone around saying he's going to have to raise fares because of the government. That's an absolute lie, and I'm calling him out over that. Over a year ago, people are talking about him having to raise fares. He went in Eden Standard and wrote an article about he'll have to raise fares. So for him to come out this morning and act like it's because of the government he'll be raising fares is an utter lie. We cannot have someone who's prepared to lie so publicly running London. It's time for a change. Online, on DAB, and on the Talk Radio app. Talk Radio. Thanks for listening to today's Julia Hartley Brewer coronavirus update. Please don't forget to like, comment, and most importantly, subscribe. And you can catch me live on the Talk Radio Breakfast Show every weekday from 6.30 till 10. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.